Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are you creative? That's a rhetorical question, because of course you are. A creative is anyone who makes something from nothing. Creativity is everywhere and in everyone. And that means you. So what's been stopping your inner creative from bursting out? Probably fear. Fear is part of creating something. It's a real bee. But don't worry, we'll help you get through that. This podcast will be your guide to claim your creativity, redefine your relationship with fear, and build a new life centered around creative expression. You're going to learn tools from people who have found ways to manage life's ups and downs by turning their experience into purpose. Think of this podcast as your very own creative community. This is Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. Hi, I hope you're doing well. I'm starting out this creative check-in without fully knowing what I'm going to say, <laughs> which apologies in advance if it's rambly or whatever, but I, I just have to say it because it's really what's on my mind and on my heart. And in the world we live in today and entertainment today, and I'm sure whatever mode of creativity you're in, whether it's accounting, painting, or just being a human. Sometimes I'm left wondering if good intentions and good work are enough to reach bigger audiences. Because when you see people who are getting notoriety for showing their butts on social media, or the fact that a dog with a weird face can have more followers than your small business that you've invested thousands of dollars into, it can be a little disheartening. And sometimes I wonder is there truly a place for creative people who just want to do good work and serve? And I know there is a place, but sometimes it just gets so disheartening, you know? And last week I spoke about patience, but to be honest with you, this week I've been feeling impatient and I've been in LA for seven years now and I just have to be honest, sometimes it's really hard. But this past week, as you know, I produced Maria Shriver's podcast, and this past week we had jewelry designer and entrepreneur Kendra Scott on the show, and she said something that did stick with me, and it's really the only thing, <laughs> I'm being a little dramatic, it's the main thing bringing me hope right now that I've heard her and other really successful people say a bunch of times. It's focus on doing good work, not just good work, the best work you possibly can. Focus on being the best in your particular field. And even if you have everything else stacked against you, results will come if you make that your focus. And I remember hearing that also from a friend. She was cutting her teeth out here in LA as an actress for many years. And she finally decided to stop working toward getting quote unquote famous and to only focus on doing really great work. And as soon as she shifted her perspective, she booked a leading role on on a TV show. So 
I've heard this again and again from people I know and people I don't know, but that I admire from afar. So I think that that's a creative check-in. For this week, what I'm going to focus on is doing the best work I can in every area of my life with this podcast, with my music, with my job. I'm going to focus on being my personal best and serving my audience and my community the best I possibly can. And I think that would be a good thing for you too. We get so wrapped up into outcomes and I am so, as much as I try and I'm really on the road to like being in the moment, I'm so outcome obsessed. But what my new commitment is, every time I try to go to an outcome, I'm just going to focus on doing good work because that's all we can control, right? So if you have a mission that's bigger than you, the good I do believe can win. And I think in the end, it's the only thing that does truly win. The quality and the heart that goes into our work is all we really have control over. Once it's out there, it's the world. So if we put work out that reflects our hearts, I truly believe that eventually we'll see the results we desire. And it's what can keep us going in those moments of doubt and pain. It's knowing that good work is enough. I believe in you. Thank you for believing in me too. All right, it's time for the creative of the week. And she is artist Megan Ashley. In 2014, she was struggling with her epilepsy and decided to turn her pain into purpose. Seizures can cause intense changes in the brain. And because of this, she realized that her creative self came bursting out at those moments. Therefore, she began painting both during and after seizures. Megan looks at painting as a way of letting go of a seizure by turning it into something beautiful. She donates a portion of every sale of her art to Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, aka Cure. The art she creates evokes images of nature, soft, swirly, and beautiful. These are terms I use to describe it because I don't know art terms, but just let it suffice to say that it's truly gorgeous. My favorite piece of hers is called She Wanted to Smell the Sea. This piece and others are available on her Etsy site at etsy.com slash shop slash Meg Ashley's art. You can follow her on Instagram at underscore Meg Ashley's art and at underscore gray skies and flowers. All right, let's get to the guest. Dolma Alton is an entrepreneur, writer, and creative, best known for founding the company Potion Naturals. Dolma was born in Mongolia and raised in California. After graduating from Brown University, Dolma went to Google to work as an AdWords account strategist. She made head spin when she boldly decided to leave Google to start a natural beauty business. However, shortly after, she realized she didn't have the right idea or capital just yet. Nevertheless, she persisted and took a different route. Keep watering the seeds of these things that you love, but don't feel like you have to have this thunderbolt idea to make it your whole life right now. It might just be a journey where everything reveals itself over time. And giving myself that permission to let go of this needs to be my one true purpose, the thing that I spend 100% of my time doing, that has been really helpful. And through the process, she came up with a natural beauty business idea that she had set aside. 
That idea turned into the business she's now running, which is called Potion Naturals. Potion Naturals is the only online store dedicated to helping you discover 100% natural perfumes. Right now, her focus is on growing the company and continuing to foster what she calls the greatest love of her life, writing. Dolma is an incredibly inspiring person. Honestly, I was so impressed by her. And I wanted to share her story with you to let you know that sometimes ideas will emerge, but they just need some time to incubate. So it's important to not force them, but to honor their organic development. Also to give yourself permission to explore, start, quit, reinvent yourself, grow, and start all over again. From this conversation, you'll also learn how to overcome cultural norms, which is huge for so many of us, how to turn your pain into purpose, and how to know when it's time to release something into the world, despite the fact that your inner perfectionist or procrastinator is trying to hold you back. You can do it. Now let's get ready to hear from Dolma Alton. I want to start out by asking... What did you want to be when you were little? That's such a good question. I had different phases. I think I remember when I was really little, I was like, I'm going to be a model. <laughs> and then I was get like, it. And I was watching so many Hollywood movies when I was younger where the really interesting, aggressive, successful people were lawyers. So I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I think I was also just really driven even as a kid. So I just wanted to do whatever I thought was this pretty conventional idea of success. So I was, I went from, I want to be a lawyer to, I want to be a CEO. So I think it evolved over time and there wasn't a lot of continuity except that I wanted to be badass. Did you have the seeds of entrepreneurship even when you were a little kid? I don't think I was ever one of those people who had like lemonade stands or like bought random things and then sold them at school. In fact, I was very bookish and sort of introverted. I think that drive was always there and that expressed itself when I was younger in me getting a lot of good grades, being committed to my academics, but I wasn't hustling, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I had a lemonade stand too, uh, or you you said you didn't have one. (laughs) I had one, but like one. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'll try it out. It was fun while it lasted and now it's done. Um, Yeah. That's like a symbol of a lot of things that have happened for me for sure. (laughs) One and done. But how did your parents, the way they raised you, kind of prepare you and prime you for what you're doing now, if you had to say? It's interesting because there's my extended family and then there's my my mom, who is my primary guardian. My mom has always really supported everything I've chosen to do. It's almost heartbreaking when I think about it because even if it's wildly impractical or impulsive, she'll be like, you're going to be amazing at it. Let's celebrate. And I think the rest of sort of the culture I'm from. I grew up in Mongolia, which is a developing country. And and my extended family is from a very different mindset. And so understandably, they're less attuned to probably uh, this more American idea of how everyone should pursue their passion, how they sh- how work should make them happy. I mean, even that is something we take for granted here as something that it's sort of a given. But I think in a lot of countries, including Mongolia, that's almost a preposterous idea. And so I had this conflict that was external and then became internalized for such a long time where I both wanted to do stuff that made me happy, but I also felt like, okay, my family is going to frown 
upon this and my culture uh, won't understand it. And I have all these internalized ideas about how, you know, entitled it is to try to make myself happy. <laughs> and so that um, that's how I think my broader upbringing shaped what I do is I really had to break through some of those thoughts. But my mom overall was very supportive. So kudos to your mom, because I always say the world is going to eat you up and spit you out, but it shouldn't start at home. Yeah. What a beautiful blessing she gave you. But our greater cultural perspective really can hold us back from so many things. I'm Italian Catholic. And so while it's probably quite different than growing up in Mongolia, there's a certain set of norms that Italian Catholic girls are supposed to follow. And I'm basically breaking all of them (laughs) by moving to LA and being a vagabond, whatever I am, not getting married by the time I'm 30. (laughs) So how do you... Because those things are always in your head, right? Totally. Those little voices of your ancestors, past and present, are kind of gnawing at you all the time. How do you shut them up and just do what you need to do and not let the shame that they can cast upon you rule you? I think part of it is at a certain point, letting those voices dictate your choices, or in my case, letting those voices dictate my choices, became so painful that it was either do what I thought I was supposed to do and be miserable and feel completely unexpressed as a person or just say, screw it and go for what felt more aligned. And I think that's generally true of a lot of people is sometimes they try to do what they think they should do, but it becomes too painful and then they just have to make a choice of which kind of pain they want. Right. (laughs) Do those voices still pop up in your head when you're working on a new project or when you're pursuing your happiness? And how how do you shut them up in those moments? You know, I think we often have this idea of they. Like, what are they going to think? Right. Like, who is they? I I have a friend who actually (laughs) – They care for about two minutes and then they're back to their own bullshit. So, you know, we really shouldn't care, but they they are in our voice. But sorry, you were saying you have a friend. Yeah, I have a friend who – Actually, so there's there's this band called Sophie Tucker, and they they went to school with me, and they have this song called "F They." Basically, <laughs> I don't want to swear on this podcast. Oh, you can but... say "fuck." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that song was so apt because it's like, who even is they? Like, fuck they. And I started to really bring awareness to my fears of what are they going to think? How are they going to react? How am I being perceived? And I decided that the worst they could think of me might have already happened. It probably is happening and nothing, everything is fine. The world goes on. My life goes on. And so I think sometimes really making peace with the worst that you think people are going to think about you and just embracing it instead of always trying to avoid it can be liberating because after that, what do you have to lose? Like they already think I'm this or that. So I think I just remind myself, you know, these fears might be true and that's okay. I think that part of, so what, like who cares? That's fine. The world goes on. That is my mantra. And it actually does help bring me back to what matters, which is not living my life for other people. Right. That's huge. So many people are living their lives for others, but at the end of the night, we're the ones that are sitting there alone in bed, laying up at the ceiling and we'll know (laughs) if we betrayed ourselves for someone else. Yeah. So that's a good point. So let's get into your path a little bit. You went to college. 
And you went from there to Google. I did, yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> Teach um, me your ways. <laughs> so I always wanted to go into some sort of businessy thing. And I wasn't sure towards the end of college if I wanted that to be more entrepreneurial. Did I want to work at a startup and really learn how they grow and scale and be able to transfer those skills? Because at that point, I already knew I wanted to start my own business at some point. But I think I was trying to decide, should I go into startups now or should I build a career, build a fancy resume? And then – Nice fancy <laughs> resume. <laughs> yeah, still trying to impress people, I guess. And um, – I was looking at a few different offers and from startups and then from Google, and I decided that I wanted to work at Google for the culture. Maybe I would learn a lot about how a really sort of well-oiled machine like a big company like Google works, and and I decided to go for, I think, the more conventional option. And there, there are a lot of things I learned from it, but ultimately, I think I decided I wanted something a little more creative because it is a big company. And depending on the role that you're at in any big company, it can be either very constrained or give you a good amount of autonomy to shape your own role and your own contribution. And I think I'm just somebody who has this constant itch to be kind of um, deciding what I'm doing when I wake up in the morning every day. So I, uh, I stayed there for a bit and then ultimately left. And that was a very hard decision, but I'm really glad I made it. So I have a lot of questions. I want to get into your decision to leave. But before we go to that, why do you think Google, beyond being a great search engine, <laughs> has become as successful as it has? Like, What's the secret sauce there? And what way can we employ that in whatever creative exploits we're doing? Is there a thesis statement of Google? That's so interesting. That's such an interesting question. I think that... I don't know if Google has a thesis statement per se. They do like to say, do no evil or don't be evil or something like that. Do um, people hold up to that there? I don't know. <laughs> but I think, I, think they, I think they sincerely try. But I right. think um, just because humans are messy and organizations are messy and things happen, um, no one has a perfect track record. That being said, I think part of Google's success is obviously innovation. I mean, I'm not an expert in what makes companies and tech companies successful, but just as somebody who is in the org for a little bit and who's watched it from the outside, it's innovative. It developed technology that was really effective and sort of outshone its competitors. And also what I learned when I was there is that the culture profoundly cares about being good, being good to each other, being good as managers, being good as team members, being good to the world. And I do think that Maybe this is naive on my part, but I do think there's something to that that might carry them through to sustained success because I think it's easy to just care about profits, but there's something about their commitment to being of service that's in the DNA of the company that I think attracts really great people and they're the ones who get shit done and shape the different innovative things that they do. So I, I want to think that's part of it. But that's a theory. I think that's a good theory. My mom always used to say, you can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. That's good. And if you have a shitty culture and a shitty foundation, your company's eventually going to be shit. Mm -hmm. So that makes a lot of sense to me. But you chose to leave there and you went on to go make, you wanted to make a natural 
cosmetics company. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. It was so it's so funny because now I'm coming full circle. But when I was making the choice to leave Google, which was incredibly hard because I would, you know, ask all these people, I would ask my friends and family for advice. And of course they would say, you know, you should probably stay. Like it's such a good opportunity. You should just, you know, you have your foot in the door, stay at Google, work your way up. And so I think I was looking for other people to give me permission and nobody was giving me permission. (laughs) So I finally decided I have to give myself permission because I don't, it doesn't feel aligned with who I am to stay here. And the other thought I had besides I'm going to give myself permission is I don't want to be running away from something. I want to be running towards something. So what am I running towards? And I gave myself the space to clarify that. And I think what I arrived at was I want to do something that lets me celebrate the amazing creative work of other people, especially women. I want to support the causes I believe in, causes like sustainability and transparency and consumer products, um, health and wellness. And I want to do something that'll help me learn entrepreneurial skills. And all of that sort of came together into this, I would say, pretty hazy idea at that point of, all right, I'm going to find all these natural beauty brands and curate them into one store. And I had that idea. I started working on it as I left Google and I realized, A, there are a ton of companies doing the same thing. It's a very competitive space. And two, B, uh, I... To be. <laughs> to be. <laughs> I did not have the capital and and the idea just didn't it didn't click for me. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was getting close to something I wanted to do, but there was something about it that felt like it was half-baked. And so I struggled with it for a bit. I eventually had to set it aside. And I think that's really important to be able to let ideas sort of incubate and to let them sort of grow over time, even if you have them and you're really excited. But, you know, there's this balance between, all right, I have a great idea. I need to start getting it done immediately versus Sometimes the idea is not ready yet, I think. And yes, you need to give it a little time, let it grow. Um, That's what happened with this podcast. It's had seven different names since it started. (laughs) There you go. And now it's happening. (laughs) And now it's happening. But I think that what you just said, there's a lot to unpack there. So the first thing I heard is the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. So how you got there. Looking back on it, do you wish you would have just not asked for anyone's advice and just listened to your own voice? Or are you still happy you did that? I think the outcome has been more or less the same. I think I would have left anyway, but I, so at the time asking other people and having them say, you shouldn't leave. Not everyone said that, but a lot of people sort of said that. That was painful. It's a painful experience that has been valuable because it's given me perspective on how other people think about these things. Fear based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's so interesting is also when I was leaving, I would tell my colleagues, I would tell my colleagues, I'm leaving and I'm going to start my own thing. And a lot of them who seem to love their jobs, and I do think they did and still do, a lot of them said, oh, you're so lucky. That sounds so amazing. Or they would say, you know, they would kind of half jokingly say, I'm so jealous. So I thought that was a really interesting indication that sometimes people are confining themselves, even if they have similar hopes and dreams that you do. And so they'll, if they give you advice, they'll sort of talk out of that, like you said, fear-based mode Mm -hmm. of thinking or maybe security-based. And and I think that's totally valid. I don't think leaving your job to follow your dreams is for everyone. But I, I, I don't regret asking people. I think it gave me more perspective. So 
if you're in the middle of a huge decision for life and you need clarity and you're asking people and you're getting those different kind of answers, how do you go within yourself and hear your own voice in that moment? I think that is such a valuable practice to know how to go in, inside yourself and and find the answer because one thing I've learned about myself is that with a lot of decisions, especially important decisions, I already know the answer, but I'm too scared to admit it or pursue it. So I ask for advice to validate the decision that I'm already leaning towards. And so I think it's important to be honest with ourselves about, do you really not know the answer or are you just scared of your truth? And I think having the courage to face what you know is true is really important. Now, I do think there are a lot of times when it's genuinely unclear. You are genuinely conflicted. And in those cases, I have found, I'm not going to lie and say I'm a great meditator (laughs) or a very diligent (laughs) meditator. We're all working on it. (laughs) Exactly. But I have found that different mindfulness practices are really important to help you attune to yourself and really just be honest with yourself and, and really uncover the answers that are already within you. And so I think anything that helps you get still, go within and have awareness around what's already there is really going to be important, especially if you're pursuing a path that's uncertain or creative or winding in any way. There are going to be so many parts of that process that just don't have a blueprint. If you're not already going into I don't know, law or medicine or a big corporation where everything is laid out for you, you're going to have to make a lot of decisions. And the more you can become deeply intuitive and build that muscle, the more it's going to flow. That's great. So basically know the difference between you're genuinely confused Mm -hmm. and you're asking for confirmation of something you (laughs) already know. The other thing I love that you said was don't run away from something, run towards something. So if you are leaving a situation, it's a little different. I'm I'm thinking of like both relationships and career things. (laughs) Not necessarily that, but you should run toward yourself if you're leaving a relationship. But if you're leaving a job opportunity, have something you're leaving for that is deeper, even if that's just to get more in touch with your yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not just that you're running away because when you run away from something, a lot of times I think the road falls from under you. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that you said was that you had the seeds of your idea, but it wasn't 100% clear and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to let something evolve and you have to know the difference between I have the seeds of something great, but I'm still kind of figuring out how to water it and plant it and make it grow. And I have something great that I just need to grow even bigger. Mm -hmm. So that was huge for you. So how did you go from that idea to what you're doing now? It's been quite a journey. But I want to say one more thing that addresses what you said about running to something and not from something, especially in work and creativity. I think there's this idea, there's this, you know, there's this idea of, if you leap, the net will appear. I don't disagree with that, but I think you have to be realistic with yourself about how much you're going to be flailing on the way down and how afraid oh. you're going to be. And how uncomfortable it exactly. is. Exactly. So if you're somebody who really loves that uh, leap <laughs> and if you feel like you're flying, if you find it exhilarating, then I think it's good to 
account for that. But if you know that you tend to like security, if you are going to be freaking out the whole way down, then you should also account for that and plan for it because there's so much cultural, there's a new kind of cultural conditioning. There's the old conditioning that says, do what what's expected of you, follow the straight and narrow path. And there, there's this new sort of rah-rah entrepreneurial talk that says, just go for it and everything do will work it. out. Do it. Everything's going to be fine. Exactly. Your life will be great. It's a party every day. Exactly. And entrepreneurs are the new rock stars. And, and I think there is something to that, but mm-hmm. it's really important not to go from being pressured by the first paradigm into being pressured by the second paradigm. Just be honest with yourself and gentle with yourself and pace yourself. That's what I want to say about that. Um, great. Great takeaway. <laughs> as far as how I got here – I So I left Google. I was going to start this business. It didn't really click. So I went to work at a few different startups. I was doing marketing and growth at these different startups, which taught me all these different skills that I'm using now for my business. And I followed that path for a couple of years. At some point, I felt a really strong impulse to write more. So actually, as I was leaving Google and right after I left Google, I started writing about that journey and talking about it and sharing blog posts with friends. And I got such great feedback, not from a lot of people, but just enough that it felt incredibly, it felt validating and it made me come alive. And I think that is another case where there's this thing that I love, writing. One time I heard myself tell someone, writing is the love of my life. And I didn't know that was going to come out of my mouth. And, And I still absolutely love it. But right now, I don't know sort of how to channel that passion, but it's there in the back of my mind. And I don't feel as pressured anymore to keep doing it or start doing it because I know I can come back to it. And so that was something I was pursuing sort of alongside working at startups. And so I think if I were to go back and tell myself the version of me from a couple years ago, anything, it would be keep watering the seeds of these things that you love, but don't feel like you have to have this thunderbolt idea to make it your whole life right now. It might just be a journey where everything reveals itself over time. And giving myself that permission to let go of this needs to be my one true purpose, the thing that I spend 100% of my time doing, that has been really helpful. And because, you know, I, I love writing, but I also love being entrepreneurial. So how was I going to make anything my one thing? So that's – can I just pause you? Yes, please. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> that's so beautiful. And I think it's something that so many of us freak out over. We think, how can I possibly go down this path? If I go down this path, then I have to do all these things, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like <laughs> Life doesn't have to be linear and it doesn't have to be one thing. We're all many things. Mm-hmm. And if anybody tells you a different story, it's not true. And like we're talking about, it's fear-based and it's security-based, but that doesn't have to be your story. Totally. And what a beautiful gift you gave yourself to say, yes, I'm a writer. I'm always going to be a writer. It's here. I don't know how it's going to be communicated right now, but this is a piece of me and you own it as you go down your entrepreneurial path and it's going to reveal itself. You are... You're a teacher too, is something I'm really learning about you. <laughs> and that's, I think, something you're going to help other people do similar things to what you're doing through your writing. I would love to do that. That would be my dream. I think you just articulated my greatest dream. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's really, really special. So 
but you were working at all these startups, you were figuring out how they kind of worked. Would you recommend that to somebody who does want to start a business working at a startup? I think that it all just depends. If you know exactly what kind of business you want to start, if you know what product you want to bring into the world, if you know what problem you want to solve, then I think it is more than okay to just go for it and learn how all the business parts of it work as you go and ask people questions and and just grow along the way. But if you don't know, if you know vaguely that you want to be entrepreneurial, but you don't have a solid idea of what that looks like yet, I think it makes total sense to invest now in your learning so that when the time comes, you have a good foundation. You know how a team is supposed to work. You know how fundraising works. You know how all those different components of a startup work together. So I do think that it can be valuable, especially if you don't know exactly what you want to start. So those experiences, you you eventually left them, right? Mm-hmm. And it brought you to Potion. Mm-hmm. Yes, it So did. tell me about Potion. Yeah. So Potion, Potion was... You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, I don't remember who it was, but they were saying what they're doing now is a combination of everything they've loved. And I think to a large extent, Potion is that for me, which is really gratifying. So Potion came about because basically I was, this was last year, I was looking for perfume for my mom and my mom struggled with health issues for many years. And part of that has meant that she's really sensitive to um, products and beauty products and and different synthetic chemicals that she used to wear without any problem before. And she's always been a big perfume fanatic, and she's the one who got me into perfume. So we have this additional bond over it. And there came a time when she could no longer really use or wear her Christian Dior's or her Chanel perfumes, and and I wanted to find her something that was as sophisticated, as complex, as luxurious as some of those fragrances from designer brands, but made 100% of natural ingredients. Because right now, most of the fragrances out there that you'll find in stores, whether they're niche or from big designer brands are made of mostly synthetic chemicals and some of them are toxins. And so there's a lot of confusion around that. It's not easy to find what's really natural. And so I wanted to find my mom something that was natural and I had a really hard time finding it. I went on, I went on Google. I opened my laptop. I was like, all right, I'm going to get my mom an awesome Christmas present. It's going to be natural perfume. It's going to be beautiful. And I had a really hard time finding something that was genuinely high quality, similar to fine fragrances that she was used to, but also 100% non-toxic. And I realized that there was an opportunity there for there to be a store or something that helps people just be able to access all these brands and fragrances that are already vetted, but also super beautiful. And so I had this idea that came out of a genuine need that I had, but it also happened to exactly fit into this puzzle that I'd been carrying in the back of my mind for years of, I want to start something that curates other people's amazing creative work. I want to celebrate these perfumers that are who are basically artists. I want to give people safe products. I want to make them feel good with beautiful, luxurious, artisanal fragrances. And so that all came together. And I knew that I had to move quickly because I'm somebody who can deliberate so much and get so lost in the weeds with perfectionism. And I made a commitment to myself then because Potion felt like such an idea that was me. It felt so aligned that 
I knew I had to move quickly. So I was off to the races. For the next couple of months, I just reached out to all these different perfumeries, partnered up with somebody who is in the space, and got my store up and running in a few months. And I launched it this March. So how, because I'm also of that ilk, and I believe a lot of people are, someone who overthinks things. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that quote, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. So true. But how did you do it? Mm -hmm. How did you trick yourself into just hitting the ground running? I think it was a combination of having started so many things. I mean, you and I talked about the high-level journey that I've been on, but there have also been so many little mini projects along the way that I started and stopped. Right. <laughs> Lemonade stands. <laughs> we should call them that. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good one, actually. And so at that point, I knew myself well enough to know that if I default to that procrastinating behavior, perfectionist behavior, sometimes they can be the same thing. Yeah. They're intertwined for sure. Exactly. Then, then, then I'll never get this off the ground. And potion was too precious for me to not realize. And so I made a commitment to myself that even if I, even if it was hard to keep just moving forward instead of perfecting every detail, I was just going to do it every time I remembered to. And it was, a process of basically me getting used to, all right, this is 80% done. This is not 100% done. It's not nearly as polished as I want it to be, but I'm going to get this out into the world and then I'm going to worry about perfecting it. And I think it's just about that commitment to yourself and also examining, all right, if I am, if there is a strong impulse to be a perfectionist, am I doing that because I'm trying to make it good or because I'm scared of actually doing this at all? Mm -hmm. And so I think working through some of those fears, giving myself permission, telling myself, hey, like literally talking to myself, putting my hand on my heart and saying, even if this fails, I accept you and I love you, as corny as that sounds, that was a really important piece of it that really helped me move forward because otherwise I think I was afraid of my own judgment if I wasn't able to make it either good or successful. Yeah, I think a lot of times – our entire self-worth, and I mean down to even feeling like you deserve to exist, hangs in the balance of what we do instead of who we are. And so if you can flip that perspective, like you just said, and talk to yourself and put your hand on your heart and say, you are enough and I believe in you and I forgive you and I, and I applaud you for whatever happens, that can give you the freedom to go toward it. But yeah, when, when we're thinking, well, if I don't do this, then I'm not good enough mm -hmm. to be alive. Because mm -hmm. that's kind of the underlying message a lot of time, at least for me. Well, why would you want to start that? Yeah. But if you give yourself that freedom, that's so beautiful. And it really frees you to do your damn thing. <laughs> do your damn thing. Um, so, okay. So Potion is off the ground. It launched in March 2018. So where are you at now? You said you were funding, right? You're in the fundraising yeah, process? Yeah. So right now I've I started it with my savings and I've bootstrapped it so far. So right now I'm what just – What does that mean, bootstrap? Bootstrap means I haven't taken on any external funding. I haven't brought on investors. I haven't asked other people for money. I've just used my own money for it. Mm. And that has its limitations, but it also gives you a lot more control and you get to decide, you know, how, how it all grows. So I'm at a point now where I'm deciding – do I want to keep doing that and keep letting it grow organically at probably a much slower pace? Or do I want to take on a little bit of funding? And this probably won't be from venture capitalists, who knows. But 
for this kind of business, I think just a little can go a long way. It's not like I'm building this new crazy hardware technology. I don't need a crazy amount of funding for this. Uh, I want to be disciplined about how much money I, I raise, if at all. So just looking at different financing options and figuring out the money part of it and, and the capital part of it. And I think that is also an overlooked part of the dialogue we have around entrepreneurship. We always talk about, you know, just grind and just keep being inspired and keep moving forward and meeting people or all the other sexy parts of starting a business. And we don't talk a lot, I think, about how bewildering and and crazy it can be to talk about like financing. Like how do you actually fund the business? How do you pay yourself a decent, you know, salary and and not have to subsist on ramen, but also grow an awesome business or subsist on ramen if that's your thing. Yeah. If you want ramen, you know, there's some great places in LA. <laughs> I know you're talking about the package ramen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, that's a big thing as a woman. And I mm. think we're not necessarily, or at least I wasn't, raised to be askers. We're raised to keep our head down and do the work and just get it done and don't ask questions. And so when we have to be put in those situations where we ask for money, which oftentimes as a creative person you do, whether you're in the arts, whether you're a business person, whatever you're doing, at some point you need capital. There's a reason why there were patrons of the arts back in the day. But we're almost taught like we're bothering someone. But when you have a really great idea, you're giving them an opportunity. And that's a good way to look at it, to kind of get out of the feeling of guilt or weirdness that can be around asking for money. That's so true. I think that's a really valuable way to reframe it is either I'm giving these people an opportunity to to be part of something awesome and get a return. And you can also think of it as, you know, I'm giving these people an opportunity to be part of something that's going to serve other people because presumably you're starting this business or this project or whatever you're doing to make other people happy and bring them joy through the arts or through a product or service. So I think always being in touch with that element of service so you can really just sell the shit out of it and not feel bad (laughs) is really important. So if there's someone out there who's struggling to find their big creative project, Like we said, there's not just one. Mm -hmm. But if you're struggling to find one, you know you've got some sort of creative bubble inside of you that's ready to just go out into the world and be a shiny, shimmery light, (laughs) but you don't know what it is, what would be your advice to them on how to go about finding it? Mm -hmm. I think something that's helped me immensely has been reframing it from what am I going to do? What am I going to put out into the world? What's going to be my final product to something more like, what am I curious about? What do I want to explore? What do I want to do an experiment with? Or even, honestly, this is even another way sometimes I like to tell myself, you know, ways of thinking about what I'm doing is thinking of it as a project, almost like a class you're taking in college, you're never committed to a class for the long term because it's always one semester or one trimester. And for that duration of time, you get to really immerse yourself in that experience. And so what if we learned to look at the projects we did in life, especially if you're more of a creative person, as just projects, all part of the curriculum of life, of this journey that you're taking. I think that can take some of the pressure off anything having to be your one big thing in capital letters. So that's helped me. And of course, just looking at 
the things you've already been doing for fun and being really honest with yourself. Again, this is applied for me especially. Do I not know what to do or am I just too scared to do it? Because if somebody were to ask me, all right, without thinking of, you know, without really thinking about the answer too much, what do you want to be doing or working on right now or in this moment? I would be able to answer that. But when I start thinking about it is when all these filters start to come in and then I get confused and I'm like, what do I want to do? I don't know. It's usually because for me, I know what I want to do, but I'm just too caught up in thinking it's unrealistic or or impractical or silly. Mm-hmm. So, And because you do have that other passion, the love of your life writing, mm-hmm. just kind of hanging out by your side right now. <laughs> How do you feed that while you're still working on this other project? How do you make sure writing knows that you still love it and care about it and it's your baby boo and <laughs> it's going to come to light in the My future? My main squeeze. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way that I tend to that has really evolved. Before, I used to try to do something to do with writing on a more regular basis. But honestly, what I've found is that because I do have these other passions and these other things that take up my time at different points in my life, the strength of my desire to write has really waxed and waned over time. And instead of fighting that and feeling like I need to be doing it every single day, I have learned to go with the flow because I am somebody who really operates in sprints. I can really go hard at one project or one job for a certain amount of time. And then During that time, I'm not really interested in too many other things. And then after that, I'll feel totally like I need to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. And so that's how it is for me. But I think it's just about learning what works for you. I think there are some people who would benefit from giving a little bit of time to their to their like main squeeze creative project (laughs) every single day, you know maybe like the Julia Cameron oh, type yeah. approach. You know right? that book? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so great, it's right? So I was going to ask you about your creative monsters, but you kind of talked about mm-hmm. it. Do you have any you would like to to share? What, or is it like, How would you define a creative monster? So a creative monster, it, I really look at it like anybody whose voice is in your head hampering your creativity. Mm. So it could be an aunt that told you when you were little, like, you know, you are you can't do that. You're a girl. Or um, it, for me, it was a choir teacher I had mm. who told me that I couldn't sing harmony. And so then that voice is in your head. And it's not even true, mm-hmm. but it's dictating what you do. Mm-hmm. I think my creative monsters come from this – it's almost like there's a character in the back of my head who's a a collection of all these different people from, you know, family to peers from college. And it's funny because I don't think any of my peers would ever say anything mean or discouraging, especially to my face, about whatever I do. It's just a fear that I have. It's a collection of voices that basically say you should be focusing more on conventional success. You should be focusing on making the most of this opportunity you've had to come to America. You got into a good school. You should turn that into pretty much as much money as you can. And anything outside of that is trivial and spoiled. And so that's sort of the voice that I battle, probably because I come from these two different cultures and Mm -hmm. And, and if, they're at odds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. 
And I mean, we already kind of talked about this, but you just overcome it by going within and saying, well, is that true? Mm -hmm. Right. That's a good method. I want to make sure that people know how they can become a part of Potion. So how can we get some of your magical scents? Yeah. So <laughs> anybody who wants some beautiful natural fragrances, they can visit our website at potionnaturals.com. Um, follow us on Instagram at potionnaturals. And uh, talk to us. Tell us what scents you like. You can buy samples and you can buy full-size bottles. We have some amazing stuff from really amazing perfumers who are so dedicated and passionate about what they do that it's very satisfying for me to be able to share that because I've, you know, I've talked one-on-one -on -one with a lot of these perfumers and they are just so excited about their life. They love mm. creating these works of art and getting to share it with people. So that's fun for me. And if you guys want to be part of that, then visit our website. And right now for a limited time, Dolma, you've been so generous to give our listeners $5 off their first sample pack of Potion Naturals, bringing the cost down to just $20 when they use the code UNLEASH. So, great way to try your natural fragrance. And I think one of the best parts of doing something creative is when you can lift other creative people up with you. So, it's great that you're doing that. Are they individual perfumers or are they... Wow. Yeah. So How did you find that? <laughs> it was not easy. Are they just, I just like picture people in a cave, like cultivating <laughs> all these herbs and like, ha ha, throwing it in a cauldron and then giving it to you. Yeah. It's a very witchy process. Um, so I just did a lot of research, pretty much found every article I could find about natural perfumery and just found the brands and the perfumers behind them. And then I also partnered with somebody who has relationships with a lot of the really great perfumers in the space who make botanical perfumery. And so I was able to compile a list over time in that way. And then I just reached out to them and, and all of them are, you know, very small operations. So they're usually one man or one woman shows. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I appreciate you. you. You're very inspiring. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and to my amazing guest, Dolma Alton. You may have noticed that I didn't ask her the question about her younger self. That's because this episode was taped before I decided to make that my final question of every show. All part of the creative process. I did, however, ask her to share her answers with me via text, and here's what she said. I tell my five-year-old self to try, play, create, and speak up. I tell her to trust herself when that little voice speaks and says no, and also when it says yes. And my five-year-old self would say to me, what's America like? What's the best part of being a grown-up? Are you still drawing or lip-syncing to Backstreet Boys? I hope you are. And I hope that you're even better now at inventing new dance moves. Both little and bigger Dolma have a great answer, if you ask me. For more info on Dolma, follow her at Dolma Alton and her company, Potion Naturals, at Potion Naturals, and you can go to the website, PotionNaturals.com. Don't forget, you can get $5 off your first sample pack with promo code UNLEASH at checkout. The perfume is so good. I am a lifer, and I wear it every day now. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. You can follow her at Liz Full. And thanks again to you for your support. If you liked what you heard, 
go ahead and tell a friend about a show and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us climb the ranks and build the community. Follow the show at Unleash Your Inner Creative on Instagram and Facebook at Your Inner Creative on Twitter and join the Facebook community by searching Unleash Creative Community. You can follow me at Lauren LaGrasso everywhere. I'm wishing you a creative week filled with bravery and belief in yourself. I love you and I believe in you. Have a great day.